What we do here is go back, 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 back. Welcome to this podcast is delicious. It's 2023. I can't even. We are excited. When I say we, I mean me and Joey. I can't even over there. Marco Timpano and myself. Ali Hassan over there. This year and... We're going to prepare you for the year ahead. Marco and I coming to you with a new level of... of, of motivation, of, sure. uh, of organization, of, uh, yeah. of discipline, of uh, we know what we can do. We know what we can't do. We know what yeah. you like, and that's what we're giving giving you. Yeah, Marco, you can give the details on that. Yeah, listen, you know, last season, it was a bit, it was a bit all over the place. And this year, we've sat down. We've figured out what we're going to do this season. We're going to come at you on the first and the 15th of every month. It so sounds get- more aggressive than it need be. And also Marco's yelling, but, but yeah, we're going to come to you. I would say maybe even, yeah. huh? it feels like we're attacking human beings in the streets here. I attack this show. Like I attack yeah. a burger, my yeah, friend, I know, um, I know. you know, we have listeners like Laurel who sort of gave us a whole list of topics. We said we were going to co- cover and not, we went through that. We're going to cover a lot of those things. And we have uh, what I believe to be a great season coming ahead. Yeah. Today, we start our, basically our, our, our new year. This is our first episode yeah. of 2023 and we welcome you. We welcome you back. And our episode today, we're going to focus on Italian food. Now, I know a lot of you, I can hear you saying, why? Why? And I'll tell you why, because uh, my co-host and friend Marco said he wasn't going to do the show anymore unless we gave no. Italians the respect. They, <laughs> I that never said that. He never said that. Of course, he didn't say that. I never said that. He's a, I have to, he's a very open-minded guy. I paint a terrible picture of this man from time to time. But it is something we wanted to discuss because perhaps you heard about this. The Taste Atlas Awards, these were for 2022. They go through the world's best cuisines. Now, the first thing you have to ask yourself, who, who is they? What are they doing here? Yeah. Who do, right? And so Taste Atlas is a, now this is in their own words here, it's an encyclopedia of, they say, flavors. It's a world atlas of uh, traditional dishes, local ingredients, authentic restaurants. I don't even know what that means. I don't know what that means. It feels very buzzwordy. Buzzwordy, right? Clearly, Taste Atlas doesn't care if they have friends or maintain friends by putting a list out like this. But anyway, sorry. In fact, very good point because it was extremely controversial. Sure. So it's the world's cuisines rankings, right? And this This is is terrible. This This is this is already terrible. But anyways, go on. But 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 it gets worse. So um, (laughs) but don't worry, it gets worse. Don't worry. But wait, (laughs) there's more, and it's not good. It's so this is a uh, you know they call them the experiential travel guide taste atlas so you go okay. to taste atlas when you're going somewhere and you're like um region you click on italy and where's the best parmigiano reggiano cheese and they'll give you some suggestions this kind of stuff it's going to be parma yeah but sure it's going to be it, well uh, in parma i assume it's oh, in I see. Parma, okay. obviously right. but where right. in which exact place you know so i'll just explain one thing that Taste Atlas says that these 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 ratings, each country's rating, is based on users' average scoring of thirty of the country's best dishes, beverages, okay. products. So this is how they do it. They defend their own methodology in the ranking. Whatever our feelings on the ranking, which for both Marco and I are not great, right? It's a great jumping point for a conversation. So the sure. first thing we 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 should mention is best cuisine in the world. 
Italian cuisine as there far as Taste Atlas is concerned. Right. Now, what are the what are the top fives, Ali? Top, top, five, top five: Italian, Greek, Spanish, Japanese, Indian. So those are the top five. Five, five yeah, being Indian. Five. Yeah. Where does Canada rate on this list? Oh, I don't. Uh, gosh, <laughs> you're putting us on the spot here, buddy. No, no, I'm I just saying, like, it's we... like. Listen, I'm a proud Italian Canadian. I'm happy that Italy made. The top five, of course, but I also want to know where my nation, my nation, uh, Oof, made nation, it. Huh? Nation. I bet it even, I bet it didn't even crack the top 20. You know, we got Cypriot, we got Estonian, right? We got Welsh cuisine. So it, it becomes almost a borderline in some Maltese cuisine is in there. They're not ranked high, mind you. Australian cuisine, Scottish cuisine. Sure. And then at number 92, no, after Iceland. <laughs> But above Latvian, okay. Sorry, Latvia, that's bad news for you. Is Canada at ninety-two? But you know who we're also above, and this okay. this is gonna sting. We're above Latvia. We're above Morocco. No, and we're above Norway. Wait, is, hang on a second. I, I can I can almost understand above Norway, but Morocco, the ta- the tagine, they even have a, a special cooking device for their cuisine. And Canada, Canada. I'm in a uh, tough spot here. I don't want to take a huge dump on my own country, as you said. Right. But uh, Morocco should be higher than Canada. I have to I say mean, that. And we're below Icelandic cuisine. Icelandic cuisine, you, you've seen those videos where they have like this yeah, canned fermented fish and then people start barfing. We don't have yeah. that in Canada. That should put us above Iceland. We don't have something Listen, that makes people vomit. I love to take a bite out of a puffin like the next person. But it's not my go-to. It's not my go-to poultry, and I know that's what they what what you what's available in Iceland. Yeah, and I, I you know how I feel about shark. I will not eat shark. I have yeah. a real problem with that. So so I, I heard I think they have Canada a problem should. with you as well. So it's a, Listen, a really nice, convenient two-way street there. But I'm I re- would love to go to Iceland. You and I should go to Iceland just for the weekend. You and just me, Iceland. Listen, let me you tell know. you a couple okay. of things that right. that, that really. <laughs> The list is 95. Canada's at 92. Uh, Jesus. At 58, Russian. <laughs> Russian cuisine. Better than Canadian? No. I, I, I don't okay. know. A um, couple of other uh, highlights slash lowlights. Northern Irish cuisine at 69. I, okay. I, name your favorite Northern Irish dish. I, a lot of people can't do it. A lot of people yeah. can't do it. Okay. Uh, Irish is lower than Northern mm-hmm. Irish. It's okay. at 73. There's a bias here. There's, There's definitely- New Zealand wanna... cuisine yes. came in 76. Welsh at at 80. Um, Welsh, what is- I, I only know the Welsh rare, rare bit. That's is, all I could tell you. At uh, 81, Israeli should be higher up too. You know, this. Uh, <laughs> we don't have hummus in Canada. I mean, I don't know. Look, the point is- yeah, this list is suspect, but it also okay. gives us a lot to talk about here. Sure, sure. With you and I'd love to focus on Italian cuisine because okay, here here are my thoughts here. Let's look at one and two, Italian and Greek. I, I want to yeah. get your take on this, uh, Marco. What what do you make of this? Like, we're in a world. Let's put the list aside for a second, but we live mm. in a world where many people are trying to consume less carbs, right? right. Lowered carbs, low carb diet, no sure. carbs. We have a yeah. lot of people with um, gluten allergies, never mind yeah. just trying to cut a carb. And we have a lot of people with dairy uh, intolerance. Sure. sure. Italian cuisine, we can say confidently, a lot of carbs, 
a lot of dairy. Right. And yet it ranks very high. I mean, listen, forget Taste Atlas for a second. You pick 100 people off the street, five favorite cuisines. Italian cuisines are often coming up there. Why does sure. it crack through despite the movement towards all these things, lower carb, lower dairy? Why does it always crack crack through and and and, and satisfy? What are your thoughts? Is it Okay, so it, yeah, it's a it's a great question and I think there's several reasons. You can't just pick one. One, Italy as a peninsula, has a lot of different sort of microclimates, you could say, right? So the variety of dishes that are grown in an area like that uh, are is plentiful and different. So if you look at the U.S., right, California has great cuisine because California is a great growing state. It has a lot to offer. There's a lot that can be grown there. It's the same with Italy from north to south. Sure. Now, where you say that, you know, Italy is a lot of dairy, that's true from mid to north. But when you go mid to south, it's a lot of olive oils, right? Because of what's grown in the area, the geographical sort of look of the of the area, uh, the poverty levels in certain areas, what, what is expensive, what isn't, you know, uh, olive trees are not as expensive or time consuming as raising cattle. Uh, so, you know, there's all this. Now, the other fundamental... So, Looking at geography is one thing, what the country can offer based on geography, right? And I'll just, if I could jump in for one second, this is an ignorance we all have. I'm doing it right now. Sure. When people go, I don't like Indian cuisine. Yeah. It's a country of a billion. Yeah. It's like 10,000 kilometers top. It's a massive country. Yeah. Every 50 kilometers, recipes change, language, dialects, and cuisine changes yeah. as well like obviously and the same thing chinese food people think they've 100%. eaten chinese food you've been to three restaurants and they all serve the same yeah you would be some people are like oh there's no dairy in chinese there's eight regions that have dairy oh there's no bread yeah. in china there's regions that have bread sandwiches sure. there's different types of china there's places that you know oh they don't use cumin cumin's not a spice in china oh guess what cumin lamb in this this northern area of china so the variety is huge and you are reminding me that, of course, Italy would be the same thing. Yeah, go from and I'm 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 one of those biased people. I Chinese is not number one on my list to go to a restaurant because we're also offered not the authentic thing when we go to certain restaurants here. So, for example, you know. If you're going to Italy expecting to get spaghetti and meatballs, you're not going to get that because that's not an Italian dish. It's an okay. Italian North American that's dish. That's the uh, which, chicken with sweet and sour sauce, chicken balls with sweet and sour right? sauce of the Italian world. Yeah, or the exactly bite, right. Know, yeah, and so it's it's a it's a complex thing to uncover. But I will say this: I think it also goes fundamentally to where Italians rate food on their lists of priority. And I'm going to equate that to myself as a Canadian, right? So whereas in Canada, food is something I eat in order to get get my, go through my day, right? It's like, I got to, I'm going to work. I'm going to bring a sandwich in a bag and I'm going to eat it as my lunch, right? That's not the Italian mentality. You get a break in the afternoon to go home to eat a proper meal. You're not eating a, a, a bag lunch. You're going home to have a meal if you can where you are in Italy. But, you know, for the majority of Italians, they go home for lunch. They have an hour to two hour break midday so that they can enjoy their food. Food is a, is a priority. It's mm-hmm. not something to do. You spend a lot of time at the table with friends, with family. They even have courses that we are only sort of discovering 
in North America. For example, you and I would go for an aperitivo, which would be a snack and a drink prior to the meal, going to a restaurant to eat. We would go to a bar and experience that, right? So for Italians, food takes a more fundamental role in their lives than for some other cultures. And because of the long history of food, the diversity of the nation and the climates and what can be grown in that in those regions, because of the priority for Italians themselves and how they view food. And I would also argue because of what the poor have had to do in Italy to create cucina povera, which we call, you know, the poor cuisine. When you don't have everything, how do you get creative with the food? Mm. And now a lot of those are fundamental staples of Italian cuisine, right? So the creativity and, and, and you know, what poverty has had to do to Italians with their cuisine, I think that all those things lead up to be why Italian food is attractive to so many people. That's a great answer. I yeah. um, was blown away by your thoughtfulness in that answer. Yeah. I didn't expect that. I don't think any of our listeners expected that. We might have Listen, new listeners. It is 2023. It's a new Marco. Yeah. Uh, this is not who Don Marco was typically. Yeah. Huh? Good, Listen, solid answers with a lot of thoughtfulness. I, That's not what we're I, I don't know much, but if there's one thing I know, <laughs> yeah, it's Italian are, food. You are yeah. on brand right now. Yeah. I remember, so just talking about number two, yeah. which I'm sure shares uh, you know plenty of similarities. Number two is Greek. Yeah. And I, I'll never forget this. And I, I've spoken about this previously on this podcast. It's been a while since I talked about this, but I was, um, I, I, I had a, a girlfriend who was a doctor, one of her colleagues, Dr. Elias, I can't remember his last name, uh, Greek Orthodox uh, guy goes back to Greece for a holiday. Yeah, sure. Knowing that I was a chef at the time brings me back a Greek cookbook. I opened this cookbook. If I tell you there was more than 10 ingredients used in this cookbook, I'm, yeah. I'm exaggerating. Yeah. It was all the same. I couldn't believe how, you know, I'm used to Indian Pakistani cuisine. I sure. can name off 30 spices right now. Yeah. Right. Greek cuisine was basically some variation of garlic, olive oil, lemon. That was in almost everything. And then the meat will change. Either it's seafood or it's lamb or it's whatever. And then sure. thyme, oregano, typically yeah. oregano. Yeah. And salt, black pepper. And that was pretty much it. Once in a while, some recipe calls for, okay, there's some, you know, the feta cheese in this one. Sure. Right? You add some feta, you crumble some feta, this one, another herb. But it was basically like six ingredients just rotated. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't believe how limited it, it was until you stop to appreciate, especially if you eat good Greek food. Sure. And, you know, it, it costs a fair amount of money and I couldn't afford it at the time. Right, right. But you go to a good Greek restaurant where the seafood has been flown in that morning. Yeah. Smelts have been uh, yeah. flown in. And all, all they do, a little bit of flour, flash fried, and you put some lemon and salt on it. And you're like, why does this taste so amazing? Mm -hmm. Because of the care and quality of ingredients. It's yeah. stuff that's flown in. It's as fresh as you can imagine. And there is, like with Italian cuisine, a pride in that. Sure. And so that's why that book only needed six ingredients per recipe because that's all it needs. When yeah. the food is so good, you don't need much adornment outside of it. And I and really, I, I remember that being a weird kind of roller coaster where I was like, what the hell is this cookbook? There's nothing to it. And then you eat proper, fresh, caught, you know, seafood sure. or, or, you know, well uh, treated animals and you go, oh, oh, I get it. 
I understand mm-hmm. now. One of the things that always sort of, you know, boggles Amanda's mind is the mentality of going to the store to buy ingredients for that day's cooking. So before we were married, I would go, you know, daily to the grocery stores and pick up food that I was going to make. Whereas Amanda, whose background is American. Who is shop- Marco's wife, in case you're well, not yeah. aware. Yeah. Thank you. Would shop for the week or two weeks and just get everything that she could want, put it in the fridge and cook based on that. Right. And she's like, I don't get you going to the store for one or two items. I'm like, well, I think it's just something that I've been used to because Italians in Italy will do that. They'll go to the market and get the freshest ingredients for the food they're going to cook today or tomorrow, but not for next week. Right. Necessarily. And so because then you have to go to a grocery store and get packaged food versus something from your fishmonger or your butcher Mm. or your, you know, your pastry chef or the whatever. Right. You know, like so that that's where things, you know, that sort of thought process is different. I'm not saying one is better than the other. Yeah. uh, But it's just something that culturally. Let's let's have an honest moment. One is better than the other. And we know which one it is, Marco. And a couple points on that. You know, every time we think about uh, a vacation as a family. Yeah. Or every time we have thought about it, you know, we were like, we went to one resort and I didn't like the amount of waste of food. I oh. used to be a, I used to be a chef in a buffet restaurant. So every night, the amount of food thrown out from our buffet restaurant. And I once said, why don't we leave it out for, you know, some of these people or they're, they're homeless, they're down sure. on their luck. Let's just leave some food. And the owner was like, don't you ever, ever do that. I do not want to get sued if they, if the right. food is left out outside sure. and they get sick. I go, oh yeah. Cause they got their lawyers on speed dial. Right, right. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It was a whole thing. So the, the food had to be right into the garbage. Less scrupulous buffet restaurant owners are just recycling the food. So there's right. bad either way, but yeah. I was very uncomfortable with the amount of waste. You can't see people like begging for money and then also throwing out food. It's a very weird thing you feel. So at a buffet, obviously, tons of waste, tons of gorging, tons of excess. And I'm at a place in my life where I like, I respect the animal. Sure. I want it dead so I can eat it, but I also want to use every part of this animal. It died for a reason. I want to respect that. Mm-hmm. I wasn't always like this. This is more of a development over the last uh, you know 10 years. But I wanted to not go to uh, uh, resorts anymore, all inclusives. I wanted to go to, we get an Airbnb and I want to do exactly what you're talking about. Go get the groceries. And the only reason we never did it, my wife's like, you know what happens? I will lose my husband and my children will lose their father in the kitchen. Uh, And I'm like, yeah, that's great. And she's like, that's not great. Okay, there's four kids. I need your help. Right. They need their father around. It is a family vacation, but she's not wrong. I would really immerse myself in that shopping experience and I would make two, three meals a day. Once in a while, maybe we'd go out for dinner or whatever, but I would, you know, I spent a lot of time in the kitchen. It's my, it's the happiest place on earth for me. Sure. And so we, we couldn't do it. So I love that way of, of shopping. You know, even when I had another point about that, I remember I had a restaurant. Um, and a buddy of mine who is a, a great business mind, great business mind. I am not, this is well known, well documented, but he was like, okay, you have this restaurant and the next thing you got to do, you got to figure out how to franchise this restaurant. And I remember telling him and he couldn't get it. He couldn't get, he's not a food guy. He's a business sure, sure. guy. I was like, that is a nightmare. 
He goes, what do you, right. dude, that is how you make money. Now you're collecting franchise fees for doing nothing. I go, but that's sure. not what I want, dude. Right. I want to be the guy who has a daily menu. And that daily menu is determined by what I found on in Jean Talon Market or Atwater Market in Montreal. Right. As I went there first thing in the day, got inspired. I'm like, oh my God, these radishes look great. I'm definitely going to have a salad with radishes. Okay, these radish, uh, you know, beet greens. Sure. Oh, man, I think I could have like some poultry and beaker. I mean, I love this idea of being inspired in the moment. And then you take that to your restaurant. I want to have a franchisable red. That's a nightmare to me. That's not why I got into cooking at all. It's about creativity and inspiration. So anyway, this idea of going daily for, for food is the best. You know, if it was yeah. up to me, I would have... Um, five condiments in my fridge. Sure. And that's pretty much it. Otherwise well, it would be a daily trip. It sounds to me what I'm hearing from you is your wife is like the Yoko Ono to your John Lennon in the Man, kitchen. You got it. You nailed it. Uh, I'm, I'm telling you. You nailed it. I try <laughs> Listen, to lay naked with her in the bed sometimes and have a camera and crew like, come in. She's also not down with that. So she's okay. not even a good Yoko Ono. You know oh, I mean? oh man, man, that's tough. That's yeah. Tough. It also means no. I'm going to be shot in the head in the next couple of days but uh but hopefully okay not. listen listen i went too too far down the john Lennon. no 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 you didn't all right it also so means i'm a millionaire yeah that, there you go <laughs> all right ali i want <clears throat> to i want to divert from the atlas right now i had mentioned on our season close that i'm going to introduce some wines more wines into our episodes and talk about wine and i'm not a wine expert like our friend Loretto, but I'm going to try to dispel some wines. And there's tons of wine podcasts and places where you can get really deep into wine, but that's not what this, sure. that's not what I'm going to bring. And as you mentioned, Loretto, Marco, we should yeah. tell people this is a very close friend of Marco's. He's yes. a wine collector, has an extensive collection, very knowledgeable. He's been on our show twice. I encourage you to listen to the, both those episodes. I've had a number of his recommendations and they're kind of like, I don't want to say life altering, but they will shift your perspective if you don't know about yeah. these wines on uh, on wine. I mean, he really sure. opened yeah. my mind and my palate and I, uh, one of my favorite guests and obviously a wonderful dude. Yeah. And now that the pandemic has uh, come to a close in brackets, yeah. uh, in quotes, um, I look forward to... Uh, to, to, to haunting his uh, his his property, just just listen skulking around the property until he goes. Yeah. All right, all right, come in. You know, yeah, we'll have him back on the show for sure, and he That's, can help us. I, uncover. I was actually talking about meeting him face to face and listen. Uh, being in his home, but okay, yeah, let's also yeah, have we'll, him on the show. I'm just talking we'll, from a selfish place. We'll we'll certainly make that happen. But what I'm going to do here when I uncover these wines with you is I'm just going to give you a very unsnobby look at wines so that our listeners you know, can take the pretense out of wine and feel comfortable ordering wines without feeling like, you know, that, that sense of like, uh, I don't know what to do. I don't know what wine, I don't know how this works. You know, I've been in that situation. Like I know Italian wines, I know California wines, but I'm not great with French wines. And we were in a French restaurant and a friend of mine said, Marco, you pick the wine, you know, wines. I'm like, I know nothing about French wines. Uh, Ugh, you know, how and, embarrassing. And was, am I right? Well, I know, I know a little bit friends to be around you in that moment. Yeah. And I was kind of like, you do it, Joel. And he's like, no, no, you do it. I'm like, all right. I listen, I'm not scared of a wine menu. I might not know the wine. I know how to approach the wine menu, but, uh, and I know, I know the French wine that I like. So I asked, I asked the waiter for some suggestions and then I picked from there and, and everyone was happy. But 
What I do Except know is for the French who had to hear your pronunciation of the French wines. They were not happy. Yeah, but when are the French ever happy? Let's oh be real here. Okay. When are they ever happy? Okay. That's yeah, our they, next I, episode. I can say once. They won the World Cup, and that's when the French were happy. But after that and before that, I don't think they were ever truly happy. Okay. Send your letters to Marco Timpano. Uh, <laughs> all right. So I want to talk about a quintessential Italian wine since, you know, uh, Italy, for some reason, Taste Atlas put Italy on the top of their thing. I just figured I'd bring it. I want to talk about Chianti. C-H-I-N. A-N-T-I, Chianti. I know that looks like you should say Chianti, but it's not. It's Chianti. Okay. But Ali, before I start talking about wine, all you really need to know about wine is what you like the taste of. I love the idea that you've been talking about wine for five minutes and then you go, before I start talking about wine, we've been in wine. We've been knee deep in wine so yeah. far. Just talking about Before okay. you get yeah. into the Chianti yeah. itself. Yeah. And is it one wine you are recommending? Okay. So that's a great that's or a great question. A I, you know, when it comes to wine, it can get complicated because there's a lot of things that happen with wine. I'm going to try to keep it pretty basic and not get too caught up in all the complexities because <clears throat> I don't care about soil conditions. That's not something that intrigues or interests me when How it comes to wine. You? And some people, you monster, you know, the terroir is important to them and I don't give really interesting yeah. okay yeah. that's right. not important and to me i for me it's all about taste i like this wine i don't like this wine what is it i don't like about this wine what is it i like about yes, this wine so that's Great. where i thought terroir would be important to you because often what you don't like about a wine might mm -hmm. very well be those conditions you know this thing was raised in a highway beside a highway in california and i can taste the diesel in it not exactly, but you know, sometimes it's like the conditions. You're like, I don't know, this didn't make for a good wine for me. But for me, Ali, it's not about going that deep down into the wine. I'm not going to go. For me, wine is something that I enjoy to drink, right. but I'm not going to go that deep. It doesn't interest me. I don't want to be like, okay, so that grew in Alsace, in Alsace, and and Listen, what I like make about fun this, of that person with that voice because no. that's what Loretto did for us. Okay, he told us stories about wine. Yeah. He told us background, yeah. and he's very passionate about it. And you're about to lose a friend if you stay no, on this track. No. Listen, <laughs> if that's your bag, great. If that's what you want to do with wine, go forward, march on, live your life. But what I'm saying is for the average person who might be afraid or feel uncomfortable with wine, that's what I'm going to bring to you. I got I'm it. not going to talk about soil conditions. I'm not going to talk about that. I'm going to just give you the basics so you can feel comfortable going into a restaurant or going into your wine store and picking a wine. And you're like, I'm going to go for this wine and give it a try. I want to give you the confidence, right? Mm -hmm. Someone like Loretto can give me the details. And when you hear someone who's passionate about that, a wine connoisseur who's able to talk to you about all that kind of stuff, it's fascinating. You learn about it and you can really experience the wine on a different level. But this is just for the average Joe or Jane who just wants to go into a store or feel confident about wine. And I'm going to give you the basics of Chianti. So, does that make sense now? As you were, Marco. I, I, okay. I appreciate okay. it. I like it. I like your. All right, so I like where you're coming from here. And I think most people, as much as they would like to be a little bit you know, more deeply involved. You know what? Forget most people. Let me just tell you about me. I yeah. would love yeah. to be more connected to wine. It's just such a large field and yeah. subject that I don't even know my entryway. So this is actually, sure. for me... 
and many people like me, a great way to approach wines. So, and I've picked, I've picked a bunch of wine we're going to cover this season and they're kind of the more popular wines. And I want you to be able to like, and listen, I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm not claiming to be an expert. I might say some things that some wine experts are going to write in and say that you were wrong on this and that, and so be it. And I'm cool with that. So when you think Chianti, Ali, what do you think? What what are your thoughts on Chianti? What, what comes to mind? Um, I would say bold, bold okay. flavors. I feel like it's a really good, like if I'm having, um, a, a, a meat pasta, I like the idea of a Chianti with that from the Chiantis I've had. I rather sure. than sort of like a Merlot or a Shiraz, sure. which I associate more with something meat heavy without those yep. carbs. But I feel like yep. with a pasta, as long as it's not a creamy pasta. Yeah. In my mind, it's a good fit. It's like a little bit go. of like a meat sauce in a, in a pasta. Folks, it's things like that that you bring to the table, so to speak, where it's like, you know what? I'm having a pasta. It's not a cream pasta. I know what wine I like, Chianti. And that's all you really need to know. Here are some, some information about Chianti. It's a classic Italian wine that goes great with Italian food. So if you're in an Italian restaurant and you might be like, what wine should I get? Oh, Chianti, right? It goes Chianti, well with- by the way, it's a region. <clears throat> No, I'll it, tell what, you. What is, okay, you'll go. You'll get, we'll get we'll, go, we'll okay. get into that because it gets okay. a little bit complex there. But but okay, so Chianti is known because it goes well with tomatoes and any sort of tomato uh, food item. It, it goes well with cured meats. Think salami, smoked meats. Think speck, prosciutto, a charcuterie board. You're having people over. You have a charcuterie board. You can grab a Chianti, break that out. People should be happy. I like Chianti because it's a very sociable wine. I find I find most people like the taste of, of Chianti. So if I have a table of people who I don't know their tastes, or they might not be wine people, I'll be like, let me go for a Chianti, because generally speaking, Chianti is one of those wines that people enjoy. It also goes well with duck, venison, rich roasts. As you said before, tomato sauce-based pastas. You, you said like that like versus a cream sauce. A Chianti is going to go very well. And Ali, I'm going to eat my own words here. It also goes well with pizza. And I'm not a person who likes to drink wine with pizza. I like beer or I like something like Coke with my pizza. But a Chianti will go well with pizza. It's not, there's no pretense for me when it comes to Chianti. It's delicious. It's an easy drinking wine. So here are three basic things one would want to know about Chianti. Chianti comes from Tuscany. So when you said what region does it come from, or is it is it a regional wine? It's it's grown mainly in Tuscany. It's one of the wines that people associate with Italy. Now, what does it taste like? Taste is such a hard thing to describe, but I think this is one of the reasons why people appreciate a Chianti. It's considered a fresh, fruity, medium-bodied, dry red wine. It's earthy with a touch of spice and it can have a savory feel to it. And it also has that uh, deep red fruit flavor. So think dark cherries for me. That's what it tastes like. Now, we know the region is Tuscany. i kind of given you an idea of the taste. Now we need to look at the grape. So when you talk Chianti, we look at the grape. And here's something that a lot of people might, might be confused about. A lot of people associate the grape with the wine. Meaning like, you know, a Pinot Grigio grape makes Pinot Grigio wine, right? Not all grapes, not all wines are named after the grape that makes it. In fact, a lot of wines are blends of different varieties of grapes. Does that make sense? Sure it does. Of course. Okay. Think I don't know what a varietal is? Listen, 
What kind of buffoon do you think you're sitting across from here, buddy? I, I don't want to assume, man. I can, only look, I, can, I can only look at the expression on your face. That's all I can say. All right. So when you're talking- my interested expression. That's what this is. Okay. When you're talking Chianti, it is the Sangiovese grape. Sangiovese, of course, is a red wine grape. And it comes from, this is something I found interesting, from the Latin sanguius jovis, which means the blood of Jupiter. <laughs> Which I thought was kind of cool. Listen, okay, great. This guy doesn't care about uh, terroirs, but he thinks no. <laughs> uh, Jupiter all of a sudden in his wine is of interest. Okay, great. For me, that's interesting, right? Okay. I want to drink the blood of the gods, yeah. and it, why not start with a Sangiovese? Okay. So, the Sangiovese grape is what you'll find in the in the following wines: Chianti, Chianti Classico, Rosso di Montalcino, Brunello di Montalcino, uh, Rosso di Montepulciano. Montefalco, Rosso, and of course, it's blended in with Super Tuscans, uh, which also has Bordeaux varieties and other other varietals in it. But Sangiovese is one of the base of Super Tuscans because Sangiovese is a Tuscan grape. All right. Mm -hmm. So now we're going to talk about the region because you said, is it a region? Chianti is a region within Tuscany. So when you're talking Chianti, Ali, there's two Chiantis, so to speak. There's the Chianti and there's Chianti Classico. So Chianti is 70% Sangiovese wine. So 70% of the wine that's in the Chianti has to be Sangiovese. Whereas Chianti Classico, 80% must be Sangiovese, 80 and above. So you could have a Chianti Classico that's 100% Sangiovese or 80 blended with other wines. Chianti Classico. There's people. I mean, do you know people who would take a taste test and they would know if it's Chianti or Chianti Classico? I think so. Yeah, yeah, I think I, yeah, I think people would. Um, I might not be. Now, here's the thing. You know, you get a Chianti Classico. It's probably, you know, you know, you're taking a chance whenever you buy a wine that you don't know or you haven't done research of like which which vinter, which bottle is going to be a good Chianti. There's going to be some terrible Chiantis out there that especially hit the North American market market that aren't going to be the best representation of it. Chianti Classico might be a bit more expensive. Your chances of picking up a good Chianti Classico probably are, you know, better up there, higher up there, right? I'm not, I'm, that's not to say you can't just grab a Chianti and it not being great. Chianti Classico, like I said, 80% and above. Now, the other thing that makes Chianti Classico what it is, is that, uh, so Chianti can blend its Sangiovese with white grapes varietals like Malvasia and Trebbiano. Chianti Classico has to have red grape varietals, Cabernet Sauvignon, Merlot, Syrah. Those are all things that are in Chianti Classico. And here's where it gets a little bit confusing. Chianti Classico is only made in a small area within the Chianti producing area within Tuscany. So if you can picture this, Chianti is the wine that's made within a certain area of Tuscany with the Sangiovese grape. It's a large swath of Tuscany, but is not the whole region. If you know Tuscany at all, it goes from, from Arezzo, Florence, Pisa, Pistoia, Prato, Siena. Those are all areas where Chianti comes from. Whereas Chianti Classico is a smaller area within that Chianti area. So Chianti Classico stretches from between, say, Florence and Siena only. So if you picture it like this, Ali, 
you have the GTA, right? The greater mm. Toronto area. You can grow Chianti in that whole area. But Chianti Classico comes from a small part of that area. So picture the beaches in Toronto. That would be the equivalent of where you could grow Chianti Classico, whereas Chianti could be grown in all the GTA. Or if you want to pick New York, you know, you could grow, uh, you know, all of Chianti all over the five boroughs of New York. But Chianti Classico has to grow in Queens, let's say, just to give you an idea. Jackson Heights, if you will. Um, I do like... The, uh, not, not, I shouldn't say I like, but it's interesting to note the flexibility here, mm-hmm. something that doesn't always exist. It, if your balsamic vinegar is from somewhere outside Modena, it's like, we don't want your piss water, right? You're telling right, me, right, right. If your Parmigiano Reggiano is from outside of Parma, we're not interested. But with Chianti, no. it seems there's a flexibility there. It's not a, because there's, it just has a different name. It's like. You're allowed to be outside of Chianti with your Chianti. Yeah, you know, because because the sorry, the Sangiovese grape is going to grow outside of uh, Tuscany. So Chianti Chianti is going to be within Tuscany. Uh, Sangiovese is going to grow uh, in Emilia Romagna. You can grow you can grow Sangiovese in other countries too, which is interesting. But it doesn't have the same sort of uh, it's not going to have the same sort of taste as mm-hmm. Chianti from Italy, and it has a lot to do with terroir, but we're not going to get into that because it just complicates things, in my opinion, when someone's just wanting to go get wine. Now, there are other Chiantis as well, like Chianti Classico Gran Selezione, Chianti Classico Riserva, Chianti Classico Anata, but we're not going to talk about those because I just want you to be feel confident to go in, get a Chianti or a Chianti Classico, and enjoy it. And if you like it, there's a good chance you like the Sangiovese grape, which means... You might like a Super Tuscan. You might like a Rosso di Montalcino. You might like a Sangiovese wine. There's wines that just say Sangiovese on it. You might be like, you know what? I like Chianti. I like that Sangiovese grape. I'm going to get this bottle. I want to try this, right? The interesting thing about Chianti is that its color of the wine is very distinct to Chianti. It's a dark, neutral, rust red, mm. kind of with chocolate undertones. So like picture brown and red, kind of merry, and that's yeah, a real uh, the color of Chianti. Yeah. So my challenge or my invitation to our listeners is go out, buy a Chianti, get yourself some salamis and have it with that. Or the next time you're in an Italian restaurant, order a Chianti, ask for a glass, ask for a taste if they have it by the glass. Good chance the the restaurant will be able to give you a taste of the wine. And you can see if it's a wine that resonates on your palate. And then go forward, enjoy your Sangiovese. Go forward and enjoy. (laughs) I love it. I love it. What a great, great way to advise people. Forward, onward, and upward. Yes. With your Chianti, everyone. Well, that's great. I want to end this uh, Italian conversation on uh, on on food again, just getting back sure. to food. Irrespective of the wine you're drinking, Marco, yeah. I want to know. The yeah. people want to know. Oh, I'm going to say shame. The people okay. want to know best um, best pasta. Is this an easy question? Does it depend on the day, the mood, or do you have a favorite pasta? If it's, it's on an the menu, impossible you're question. Get it. It's an yeah. impossible question to answer. It just is like the and, and pasta becomes its own thing, right? Because pasta, and I'm just gesticulating like crazy, right? But, I know. Um, pasta. Every pasta goes well with what it's dressed with. So think of an event that you go to, Ali. Is it a black tie affair? 
Is it a casual? Is it a semi-formal? Am I wearing beachwear? That's what your pasta does to the sauce it comes with, right? A rich sauce needs a certain type of pasta to hold up. A meat sauce needs a certain type of pasta. Mm. You know, uh, olive oil sauce needs a certain type of pasta. So it's a hard thing to, but if I'm picking a pasta, if you give say you top, can, Give us a top three since I've asked no, you No, I'm just going to say favorite. this. My favorite pasta, if I see it on the menu, my eyes are always yeah, going to go okay. there. It's probably a carbonara or a bolognese. Those are my two pastas that I'm going to pick, right? But don't don't try to mess with a carbonara. Do not put cream in it. Do not do, not do anything insane with a carbonara. I like the classic carbonara. It is what it is because of the few ingredients that are in it. And you can't mask bad. You can't mask bad cooking with simple ingredients. You either know how to do it or you don't because there's not a lot there to cover what you do. So you not carbonara is going to tell me what you're like as a chef. I love sure. carbonara. That's 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 probably my number one. That's what people say about the, is it cacio e pepe? Is that the- Cacio and pepe, for sure. Cacio and pepe, yeah. Very little going on, but it's critical that everything is done just perfectly. Yeah. But that's not to suggest that it's difficult to do that, Ali, because then that makes people fear trying, right? Right, right, right. right. No, no, it doesn't have to be complicated. You Listen- Find yourself a classic cacho and pepper restaurant uh, or a recipe, I should say, or a carbonara recipe and give it a try. And if you mess it up, fine. The next time you do it, you're going to do it better. And then you're going to you're going to make a perfect carbonara that suits your and my needs. That's what I want to say. It doesn't have to be complicated. Doesn't have to be complicated. You know what? That is a good final button on the show. It doesn't have mm-hmm. to be complicated as a great mantra mm-hmm. for you to adapt and uh absorb and implement in your life for the next couple of weeks till we see you again. Yes. Uh, next episodes in two weeks. Very excited about that one. We are going to talk. Well, should I even tease it? I mean, Do, we're, we, what do listen, you, you just made me happy. I just love talking food with you. You know, like most of the time seeing you, it's like a pain, but today I just had a great time. So you do, my friend, you do what you need to do and I will support you hundred percent. Well, we're going to talk about some complicated uh, uh, things in food and the food world, not just the food world, but we're just going to talk about appropriation of food. And is yeah. it a thing? Is it something we should be concerned about? Where is it a concern? And both Marco and I have pretty passionate feelings about that. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. We invite you to uh, try a Chianti, try an uncomplicated pasta. Or a Chianti. Uh, or, did I just say Chianti? Yeah. Uh, she's a singer. She's a young singer. She's Coming awesome. Out of Miami. She's fantastic. <laughs> I don't know if she is, but there's probably a singer named Chianti out there somewhere. Yes, Chianti is, um, I'll probably have one in the next couple of days. Now I love it. it. In my mind, I've been brainwashed yeah. and I'll probably do that. Brunello is a, one that I've enjoyed. In the oh, past. man. Love a Brunello, yeah. One of my favorites, actually. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. So there you go. This podcast has been delicious. We have lived up to uh, exactly what we hope to do for you uh, every couple of weeks. We'll see you again very soon. I'm Ali Hassan. I'm Marco Timpano. Until we eat and drink again. 